everyone and welcome to the Defining Time show on Fifth Wrist Radio. Uh, my name's Anthony. This week's a little bit different. We actually teamed up with our friends up in America uh, from the Whiskey and Watches podcast. So with Spence and Buzz, Vinny comes along for the ride as well. And I thought it would be great to get the two podcasts together because we are very similar in many ways. We're going to go into a whole heap of different things. In particular, we talk a little bit about podcasting and what it's been like. Uh, who, who our funniest and favorite guests have been. So no guest is safe from either podcast, so get ready for that. Uh, and then we talk a little bit more into our watches, just homages to Rolex and to Gerald Genta. So we go into a little bit about that topic and it's getting a bit frustrated. So it, it can get a bit heated, this conversation. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Because it's time for another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Welcome everybody to a bit of a special episode here. This is technically episode 56 for, for Buzzy and I, but we have uh, two guests from the land, the land Down Under, although I think to them we're their two guests since this is a bit of a crossover episode. We're hanging out with Anthony and Vinny from the Defining Time podcast. I think I got that right. Or No, Fifth Wrist Radio. Yeah, that that's too. It. Yeah. Um, and you get different it. episodes with Fifth Wrist Radio. So uh, welcome guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. I guess you're coming to us from the future. We are. It's beautiful, sunny here on uh, Sunday. It's about quarter past 12, and I'm telling you guys, it is beautiful. So get get ready for it. It's good fun. Yeah, as Vinny just said, thank you so much for having us. And I think, you know, there's it, this this should be a lot of fun for us because we're often, you know, we're, we're two groups here that r- run podcasts. We love whiskey. We love watches. We love talking to people. So I thought it would be great to get the two two shows together and just have a bit of fun. We've got some great topics coming up today um, and we'll, we'll do some of the normal things that we do on our shows, but to each other. So it should be a bit of fun. So why don't we start with some wrist and drink checks? So do you do drink checks first or wrist checks or the same? Doesn't matter. It, it's up to uh, it's all kind the of the person same. which you, goes you, first. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go with Spence first. What are you drinking, and what's on your wrist? So I am drinking an old reliable. I've got I've got my sphere of ice, and I have Weller Special Reserve. Uh, just the good old Green Label Weller uh, can be tougher to find. And and Buzzy and I talk about this. It tastes better than any twenty three dollar bottle of whiskey has any right to. Um, so that is what is in the glass. Um, if you get, I don't know if you guys get that down there. Um, if you ever see it, snag it. It's fantastic. Um, and then I'm going to, I'm going to spoil this a little bit for Buzzy because I know that he and I are wearing essentially the same watch, but in different colors. Um, we just both, uh, took delivery of our Cincinnati watch company, uh, divers edition. So, uh, our buddy Rick, who's been a previous guest on the podcast, um, uh, we, we had him on actually almost, a, it's been almost a year since we saw the prototypes uh, Spangler and I did um, live probably back in, I think it was March or April of 2020. Um, he did his pre-order in September and he finally got everything in. Uh, his watchmaker, Jordan, assembled them. And I have on my wrist the blue version. So it's a 41 millimeter diver on a Jubilee uh, with a ceramic bezel, a Salita movement in it. And it's absolutely fantastic. It's as good as I remember from you know, 10, 11 months ago. I can't believe it's actually, you know, on my wrist. Bezel action. Just Ooh. awesome and crunchy. Nice. Um, Very nice. Really, really digging it. So, uh, yeah, I got that this afternoon and I've been wearing it since. Congrats. Very Congrats good. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, we might as well segue straight into Buzz. 
So, Buzz, what's what are you drinking? What's on your wrist? All right. Well, Anthony, I, I know that you are uh, given to scotch whiskey. I do like to do something fun uh, for our guests when when we're on. And even though this is a crossover, we're kind of each other's guests. I do not have any scotch tonight. But what I did get, I picked up an oil can of Foster's oh. Lager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a man. Uh, that's funny. So that's... That's what I'll be uh, sipping Cheers. on tonight. <laughs> I feel sorry for you already. It's, it's not the yeah. best, is it? <laughs> you know, it was the best back in the day. So, like, back in college where you would drink really bad stuff, uh, an oil can was – that was actually, like, kind of fancy stuff, right? And it's <laughs> still inexpensive. So you would start off the night, have an oil can or two, and then once – once you're over the hill enough, uh, based off of that, all the the natural lights and all of the the truly terrible beers were less bad. So, yeah, very cheers. Love your work. <laughs> Love it. What's so, and on the wrist, yeah, the uh, Spence stole my thunder. Uh, got my divers edition from Cincy Watchco. I have the uh, black gilt colorway. And this is uh, this is a lot of fun. What uh, I didn't see the prototype, so this was a complete surprise. Uh, they did a great job. The loom on it is absurd. It uh, soaks up. Yeah, you don't even have to charge it. It, it soaks it right up. The uh, day loom is a lot of fun, and I noticed uh, uh, it throws about as much light as my Manta does. It's wow. Really, really good stuff. They they knocked it out of the park on this. Nice. So. There seems to be a lot happening in Cincinnati in the watch in the watch sort of community industry. It sounds like you guys have got a, a really cool sort of little group of all sorts of stuff happening up there, which is awesome. So very cool. Yeah, I mean we, we've got uh, Cincy Watch Co. Then we've got uh, Cincinnati Strap company that, uh-huh. that has you know natos and leather bands rubbers and then uh zach from uh, cincy strapco has a uh a micro brand he's just shipping his first uh watches out uh, near us nice. so there's a lot of good stuff happening good. very good right I've any- had our buddy dustin on yeah yeah so just just like he is just such a dude like i i just had oh, yeah. the best time with him uh he may come up later in the show uh when i when we're talking about some different topics but yeah like i just had we just it was just him and i and we just kicked it off like we'd known each other for 20 years and he's that kind of person that just wants to tell all and tell stories and yeah i had a great time with him cool Vinny, what are you drinking all righty so i'm yeah i'm being boring i've got a coffee um, I was drinking, I was drinking last night. I had, um, some tin American tin cup whiskey. I'm not the most, uh, not the most well-versed. I don't have the most mature palate, but it was nice. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> so I'm, I've had my fill for the weekend. Um, and on the wrist, I've got the Helios Seaforth in the gray. Nice. So the third gen. So with the ETA and the, yeah, the latest, the BGW nine loom and yeah, love it on the rubber strap as well. Something different. Um, yeah, cool watch. Very good. 
Very good. All right. So I uh, for drinking, I haven't tried this yet, but uh, I'm about to try it for the first time. So it's a, a bit of a limited edition single malt whiskey from Tasmania. Um, it's been aged in uh, Coonawarra's uh, Cabernet Sauvignon barrels, so wine barrels from Australia. Um, now, Tasmania, for, for whiskey connoisseurs, Tasmania is a, a fabulous place where whiskey comes from. They win lots of different awards. There's, there's a heap of distilleries down there. So just quickly, let's give this a go. Whoa, it's nice, nice and smooth. It's uh, 83 out of 1,000 bottles, this one. So it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a special one. My, my father knows I love whiskey, so he bought me a bottle when he had the opportunity. And uh, I'm going to enjoy it, I think. Very good. And it is 12 o'clock here. I would normally not drink at this time of the day, but I'm doing it for you guys and, and for <laughs> ourselves here at Fifth Wrist as well. And on I'm, my I'm wrist. Honored. Leading by yeah. example. Good, good, exactly. Uh, on my wrist is my Habring TZ21 nice. with the deadbeat seconds. I recently just got the mesh band from, um, I think you say it as Stab or Stab uh, in Germany. They're, you know, the. Pretty pretty world renowned for their mesh bracelets. They're pretty solid and not badly priced either. So, but yeah, this this watch is just a a fantastic piece. It's a, a versatile do it all, um, which I really really enjoy. So, and it's nice to see Habring really starting to get talked about now. And you know, they're hitting the wrists of people all the time. Someone's picking up a new Habring, which is great. And it's funny because they only make 120 watches a year. So I don't know what they're going to do. They're either going to have, maybe they'll have a Rolex waitlist kind of thing. I don't know. It's going to <laughs> don't be say weird. The, say the W word. It's too early for that. <laughs> I don't well, think that they could truly have a Rolex style waitlist because they yeah. don't have any volume models for you to like buy multiples of and kind of settle for. Uh, yeah. In order to get the model that you really want, but uh, yeah, which is good. So. So they only make 10, 10 of every ten of each type of watch a year. That's all they produce. So they don't make, you know, twenty five doppel chronographs. They make ten. They don't make twenty Felixes. They make ten. So it's sort of like that. They've they're kind of only really making watches that are going onto the wrists of people, um, which is good. So anyway, I talk enough about them. Let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> I like I like Habring a lot. The uh... Such a such a neat story. Some good looking watches. Yeah. Plus your 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 deadbeat uh, seconds one uh, that I was listening when you had related how someone at an AD wanted to know if yes. you wanted to step up to a, an automatic. You know, so yeah. that's 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 <laughs> such a, a a secret. Uh, such a secret sort of yeah. watch. I, I inside that. baseball that cracks me up. No, so it's inside. Um, all right. Well, why don't I get on with the um, the rapid my rapid fire questions? I'll ask each of you then, and then we'll move into the topics. Um, so, Spence, I'll start with you first. Are you ready? All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Rolex or Omega? Omega. Vintage or modern? Modern. Mainstream or indie? Indie, indie? slash micro brands. Indie. <laughs> a few watches or a lot of watches? Yeah. 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 A lot. A lot. <laughs> Flip or keep? Keep. Keep. All right, cool. Oh, it's interesting. Good. All right, Buzz, let's go to you. You ready? I'm ready. All right, Rolex or Omega? Rolex tastes on a used Omega budget. 
<laughs> Vintage or modern? Modern. Modern. Mainstream or indie? Indie. And a few watches or a lot of watches? A lot of watches, but I really only wear a few of them with regularity. Okay. And flip or keep? I'm a keeper. Very good. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for doing that. It's nice to get a bit of an insight into to your minds. And maybe I'll kick off with the first question, then we'll just sort of to and fro and, and head around the room. But uh, given that we both have podcasts and uh, we, we've been doing this for a similar amount of time, it's not been um, for a while. It's not been forever, but it's been, you know, sort of almost pre-COVID stuff. Um, so I did want to just talk about uh, you know, why did, why did you guys start the podcast in the first place? Um, and well, actually, sorry, before we do that, uh, we'll, I'll go over to you, Spence. You want to do the forum finds first? Sorry, my bad. We should. Yeah. As I say, that not a big deal. We should, uh, we should go with our fresh forum finds and I know you guys came prepared, but I'll go ahead and lead it off. Um, yes. this is one that it, it hasn't really come up on my radar because i know we're going to get to some some stuff here here later on on what may or may not be on the radar uh but i have we have a couple of buddies here who've recently got into doxa at our red bar group here in cincinnati (laughs) um so this is a doxa sub 200 t graph so this is the newer version of the one that jason heaton is a huge fan of he's got a couple vintage ones this is a sub 200 T graph, the new one with the uh, new old stock movement, the, the ones that they found a couple of years ago um, on a, it's obviously they're all professional. So they have the orange dial on the orange rubber with the toolless micro adjust clasp for $3,500 on watch you seek, which that watch retails for 49 in change. And there aren't very many of them. So it's a, it's an interesting piece um, this one came up and, uh, it's got box papers, manuals, everything. Um, the seller has, oh, I don't even know, 275 posts. He's been, he's been, a, he's been a member for 12 years on watch you seek. So do your own research. Uh, and I know I don't have to tell the Aussies that. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. We do so much research because it costs, an, it's a nightmare to ship anything back. Wow. That's cool. So, so that, that's is that is it the normal style sort of doxa diver sub case yeah mm-hmm. cool uh, it those is. so it's it's this that guy yeah nice you can see it on my phone yep that's pretty slick yeah that's so, good very that's good surprising because too. yeah yeah and they never you, you so rarely see used ones with any appreciable discount mm-hmm. so the fact that that there's so much of a discount on that used is really surprising. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right, I'll go next. Uh, for me, it is the – I found on eBay a Moser Ventura Small Seconds uh, white gold in 39 mils. It's a bit of a dress watch. It's got a, a white dial with sub-seconds um, and those beautiful sort of – curvy Moser flanks that they do. But but I found this one for basically $10,000 US, right? So if you think wow. about what you're getting here, you're getting a white gold watch that's 39 mil. So it's basically almost perfect for everyone. It's a, a beautiful manual wine, 72-hour power reserve. Um, so this is the, the model numbers 2327-0200. Um, 
But I just like so, put this into perspective. It's about thirteen and a half thousand Aussie dollars. Brand new. These things are twenty six thousand nine hundred Australian dollars. So circa twenty k US. So we're basically getting. 50% off, and there's not one, there's not two, there's three of them around the same price from three different secondhand dealers. And, you know, I don't wear a lot of dress watches because it's it's too hot in Australia. I just can't wear leather. But I look at this watch and think if I was ever going to buy a dress watch, it's got Roman numerals, sub-seconds, steel blue hands, white gold, small but not too small, beautiful leather strap from a brand that just – is oozing into the community at the moment at a rapid rate. Uh, for 10K US, that is a solid, solid deal. And a, and a, a dress watch, an only dress watch you need for the rest of your life. Um, and yet it's a bit on the expensive side, but when you look at the retail price and then what you're actually getting it for, it's kind of relevant to, to being a good deal. So that was mine for this uh, this one. So you've uh, name dropped Fabring. Name drop Moza. So I think I think your quote is filled, Anthony. I think okay. as far as uh, your ambassador responsibility goes, you've you've done okay. your job. We're only we're only fifteen uh, minutes in. Well done. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Ah, Buzz. I love it, Vinny. Keeping them honest. <laughs> that yeah, that's that's the first time. Uh, not that we've talked about Moser, because we we've 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 talked quite a bit about Moser before, but first time we've had them on for a, uh, for a fresh forum find. Okay. Cool. I have something that is not (laughs) $10,000, not United States, not Australian U S dollars, probably not any dollars out there. Uh, it's only 2000 U S dollars which seems downright reasonable in comparison. So I found a uh, Tudor Heritage Ranger on uh, Chrono 24. This one has the bracelet. It's got box but no papers. And it's a uh, private seller on there. So it is the lowest priced uh, Ranger on there with a bracelet by far looks like it's in good shape um and what made me uh, think about looking for rangers is one of the guys in our red bar group chat has one and you know at first there's no end links on it right that that kind of puts me off of my lunch uh, i would really prefer end links well he uh, has it on a variety of straps and he has some uh, presumably aftermarket end links uh, that that received the strap and holy cow it looks it looks very good um i i like i liked these rangers i thought that they were a little big and the no end links so those those two downsides would just kind of kill it for me but after seeing the aftermarket end links and straps and stuff, it, it start to get a little bit more interesting. So check that one out if you are uh, if you're into it. Yeah, nice, awesome, Vinny. Alrighty, guys. So for my find, um, I'm just gonna put a disclaimer in. Just hear me out, okay? When we think about chronographs, and one obviously comes to mind that's dominating the market at the moment, 
and that goes for about 36,000 Aussie. Um, sorry, I'm not sure if I can do the conversion on top of my head, but um, what I've got is a precious metal, 18 carat manual wind chronograph coming in at less than half that. So $14,500 Aussie will get you a Sedna Gold Speedmaster with the first Omega in space case. I know, it's big money. But if we're talking chronographs and precious metals, you don't really get anything under 10 Aussie. Um, and yeah, I think with a ceramic bezel and all the good vintage piece, vintage vibes, design, and something about just rocking the hell out of a gold watch, I reckon that would be a pretty good deal, especially when the retail is about 21, 21 and a half. So if you can pick it up for 14 and a half from this German website, um, it's not a bad deal for like 25% off around there. Uh, I think it, yeah, it makes a case for itself, but I'm absolutely sensitive to the fact it is a big chunk of money. But relatively speaking, I would rather buy two of those than one Daytona at, um, on the gray market. So that's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's coming in hot. Love it. Yeah. I was just I was just going to say, uh, so by the way, that brand that mine was, I won't say the name again because I'll get you a couple, but you know what it is. Uh, that, that, did come, that did come with box and papers as well. So again, 10K US for something that's, you know, almost pretty much mint. But anyway, um, pretty, yeah, good mean, point, Vinny. That's about a heck of a time. deal. Not to cut anybody off, that Moser is a heck of a deal. <laughs> He said it, huh, not me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a lot of fun. I hope uh, I hope someone takes some value from that. But anyway, I wonder if I'm Dustin's sure listening. Will. Yeah, he, he will. He will. He'll, he'll be listening. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into the the sort of the conversation side of of this podcast, and and we did want to talk a little bit about podcasting in general. Just for we're just normal dudes loving watches, doing a podcast. You know, we're not professionals. We're not anything like that. We just want to do this as a hobby and talk to great people around the world. So I did want to kick off by saying, why did you guys start your podcast in the first place? And then and then we'll answer that as well. Sure. So I. I guess I'll I'll go ahead and answer that just because Buzzy was technically a guest on episode six and then he just kind of hung around. Um, That's right. <laughs> which has been great. Same with Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, all right. Same. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was really one of those weird things where we kind of met some like minded people. Um, we Buzzy and I went to two whiskey and watches events, which. Yeah, obviously that's where we got the name for the podcast at, at our local uh, jewelry store that we're uh, fans of Richter and Phillips here in downtown Cincinnati. And, you know, we, we met the red bar group and we just got to talking with some of the guys there expanding our knowledge, like learning a lot about different watches, you know, broadening your horizons. And at, at a certain point, I mean, obviously everybody knows Warren and wound and Hodinkee and a blog to watch. And I've been listening to those podcasts because they're, they're the names in watch media. And then I discovered Scottish watches and then I discovered 10 and 2. And I was kind of inspired just by, you know, Rick and Ricky are two normal dudes in Scotland um, who put out a ton of content, get a bunch of great guests, and really just kind of, they say they're like good old Top Gear, and we've joked about that a little bit. But I mean, realistically, their banter back and forth is what makes it, because half the time, and they don't like it when people say this, half the time, they don't really talk about watches. <laughs> like, just kind of, yeah. it just, it works its way in sometimes, but um so I, I kind of I kind of propped yeah. it to 
I figured, you know, if, if they're doing it and then the ladies down in Tennessee are kind of doing that, you know, why, why not give it a shot? Why not see if it goes anywhere? You know, and, you know, me, Buzz, our buddy Ryan and our, our friend, obviously, Evan on the show. Um, I was like, you know, why don't why don't we see if we can do something? So Spangler was like 100 percent in. So we recorded a couple of uh, test episodes Um our whole thought was let's keep it short, let's keep it simple. Because when we started this January of 2020, you know, we were like, hey, let's just do something 25, 30 minutes, um, something catchy on the commute to work, on the way back, at the gym, you know, because that was when I was listening to most of my podcasts, um, was really at the gym um, on my lunch break because, you know, my wife and I would drive into work together just because our buildings that we work at are next to each other and the daycare's right there. So, you know, not really listening to podcasts with the kids in the car and my, and my wife, you know, not these ones at least. So it was like, okay, what, what, let's, let's keep it short because most of the, the watch podcasts are a little bit more long form. And then, um, so we were trying to do like the fresh form fine was a segment. We've done some called defunct design. We figured whiskey and watches, let's lean into the alliteration. Let's have some fun with it. Um, and we still do some of those. We have Omega opinions, Breitling beat, um, tutor talk, you know, the fun stuff. We haven't really done a lot of those brief, you know, briefly like in my little rants, I've turned to the Spence's soliloquies. So, you know, just kind of going from there, but, um, then COVID happened. And the interesting thing with that was we were able to get in touch with a lot of brands, a lot of the micro brands here in the States because nobody was going anywhere and doing anything. And we didn't want to limit those conversations to a half hour. And it just kind of evolved into, into what it is now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we just we wanted to see what would happen. Like we were just kind of curious, like if, 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 if everyday folks like you all, like Scottish watches, like 10 and 2 are kind of just trying to try in their hand, talking about something they're passionate about. Like, why can't we do that? Yeah. No, fantastic point. And it's it's reasonably similar to, to our story as well. So the story goes that uh, Alex, the the pod father, the, the watch regulator, uh, he's a Scottish fellow living in Melbourne as well, uh, works for Daniel Wellington. But anyway, he uh, so he, he had this platform that was an internet site, a review website where people reviewed their watches. Anyway, I was moving from Melbourne back to Adelaide and I caught up with him for a beer because I wanted to start a podcast. And the reason I wanted to do that was – I had such a great time with the Melbourne community that I didn't want to lose that connection. I thought, I'm going back to Adelaide. There's not a real huge watch scene here. What's a way that I can bolt myself onto that community and still be part of it while I'm not living there? And I thought, well, a podcast is perfect to do that. So we thought we'd do it under Fifth Wrist Radio. Alex is a very sort of he's a visionary genius he likes to call himself but he actually is like he he saw all these podcasts under this one roof way before i even sort of agreed to it because i thought no nah, let's just have separate ones and he was like no nah, let's put them all together and people will pick and choose what they want to listen to and it will grow and sort of here we are now not only have have i been able to stay extremely connected to the the melbourne watch industry uh, community but now i i've just created this global friendships with people that i'll be friends with some of these people for the rest of my life and i've never met them i, I literally haven't even seen them face to face properly but we talk so often we had a great podcast maybe they want to come back on again and so yeah i i think for us we we also knew that if the, if these guys can do it and, and we recorded our first podcast on the 28th of December 2019 and then dropped it i think it was the 12th of January 2020 so it's very similar time frame 
to when you guys did it. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's just been so much fun. But for me, it was about staying connected and I not only stayed connected, the connections just blew up to this global thing of friendships, which is awesome. So, and then, yeah, Vinny, Vinny came on, I think it was episode four, Vinny or six, something like that. And yeah, yeah it's early doors, early doors. A bit, a bit doors. like Fuzz. <laughs> that's right yeah i just nah, have, you have too much fun um yeah it, it's so i remember where where i was like listening to that first episode with um you and alex and and uh it was just so funny hearing like familiar voices coming through like the car speakers on my on my drive to work and be like this is so cool so <laughs> so cool and yeah like you said you you really like i didn't alex completely changed the way i thought about it because yeah, like you mentioned, the big brands or the big names, they do what they do and it's kind of the, the same, same, same but different. But then this with us, like it's just opened my – broadened my horizons thinking about the community itself and how it can be. You can be, you can make it whatever you want and, yeah, it's just yeah. It's crazy to think how far it's come. Yeah, very good. Wow, and look at us now, hey, joining up together for a, a podcast, bit of fun. Um, so, what do you, from from your guys' perspective, what's the most difficult thing about? And we're not going to just for for people playing along at home. We're not going to be talking about podcasting for the rest of this show. It's just these first couple of questions. <laughs> so stick stick with us. It's just to give a bit of an insight. Um, but for, from your perspective, what's the hardest things about sort of putting these podcasts together and being consistent all the time? Buzzy, do you want to go first? I, yeah, I, yeah, I can go first on this one and. On mine, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Not talking over each other. I'm a joke guy. Okay, that's like eighty percent of what I contribute. The old uh, the old eighty twenty split. I'm eighty percent jokes, twenty percent everything else. So it's tough. Do you want to get uh, that joke in before the conversation moves, uh, or before you forget it? Just being able to jump in, that that can be tough. I don't always succeed, as yeah. listeners of the podcast will tell you. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, at this point, a lot of the preparation and, and all of that I've got kind of down, not to a science, but good enough for me. It's just the pure technical, not talking over other people. Yeah. And it's even harder today because we've got about a three-second delay between us here. <laughs> Must take a while to get from north northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere. You'll have to be super quick. Otherwise, you're just going to be left behind. <laughs> uh, Vinny, what about you? The, the challenges. Uh, I think at the start, it was just like really just being – having the confidence to just say what you want to say and, and just share your opinion and not feel too reserved. Like it, it is a bit nerve wracking, you know, you see recording and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, you know, people are listening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it gets better. You just, you start having fun after the first, you know, 10 minutes, you, you relax a little bit. And like you said, it's just chit chat with friends. And yeah, I think that, yeah, the biggest challenge is just like getting over that first five minutes and hitting the strides. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for kind of going try to figure out what we're going to talk about. I mean, we usually end up filling the full hour. Absolutely. No problem. I mean, we, we always kind of joke. It's like, how are we going to make it there? Are we going to make it? And then one of us goes off on a tangent. We end up in a place we didn't think of. Um, But I think 
For me right now, I think the toughest part is really balancing trying to have interesting conversations with different people like you folks. And then like the, the, the micro brands we've been able to get on and some other really cool guests, but then also trying to stick to kind of what the podcast is, which is just me, Buzz and Spangler, um, you know, trying to just have that conversation because we, we get feedback from both. It's like, oh, it's, it's great when you have guests. And it's like, yeah, but we also want to hear what you guys are talking about. And I, I think it's, it's weird that it's weird hearing people say, hey, we want to hear your opinion on stuff because like, I don't think my opinion matters that much. I really don't. Um, and, you know, we joke our seven listeners seem to keep tuning in every week. But uh, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's been I say the, the other thing I, I got to get in a little dig because obviously Vinny's on here tonight and he wasn't expecting to be you know, keeping track of Spangler is tough. <laughs> <laughs> i'd be remiss if i didn't say evan we love you buddy but it's uh, i gotta put that in because it's been two or three episodes he's missed and and we we've had some fun guests i, I think mike stockton from fratello has been on twice and he's missed spangler both times he's like the next time i'm on spangler needs to be there <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's so true. It sounds like we all share the same jokes too, because we've got four listeners. You guys have got nice. seven. We got four. So, yeah, you know, and I, I think, yeah. Sorry, go. Mm. What, what's so yeah. funny too is one of the uh, reviews uh, on on iTunes was to the effect of like, you know, don't don't da- get down on yourself. Like that's not really that funny of a joke. Uh, to us that you only have seven listeners which okay i mean I'm, i make unfunny jokes all the time but yeah i'm sorry that that uh, bums you out but we we make that joke because we find it funny exactly exactly i think um you know the 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 thing that i've found that's the easy part is getting the guests, I think. And not to say that everyone's easy, but most people are generally nice people and willing to have a conversation. Um, besides editing, because that is that is difficult to do in some cases, I think the hardest part for us is having seven shows and getting the consistency of audio quality across those seven shows when you've got people like myself who has been doing this for over 12 months now and still I have no idea what I'm doing. And then you've got someone who started three weeks ago. You know, it, it's just hard. It's hard. And then to manage the expectations of listeners when some one person's audio is just not great, um, do they just turn it off and not listen to it? But there's not much we can do to make it any better because of the room they are in or whatever it was. And you can try your best, but it's just it's hard managing expectations. And I suppose – you can flip that into a positive that it's great that people expect really good quality stuff from us now because that's just what they've they've come to to know. So when someone when an audio isn't that great, it packs a punch and boy do we hear about it. But <laughs> that's the that's the way remember, it goes. <laughs> remember Anthony, the good old days where we're just like, nah, let's let's we'll leave it raw, you know? People we wanted yeah. something authentic. We went, nah, leave that in. The birds chirping in the background, that's fine. Don't need to even mute yourself. Just do whatever and how far it's come. Um, yeah, it's a pretty professional yeah. professional uh, operation these days, which is which is awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. But yeah, I think at the same time, we, we all need to keep it fun and don't get too serious. And, you know, we're not... We're not hodinky and have studios where you fly people in business class to come and record an hour podcast. You know, we're just having fun and, and that's the thing. But, you know, it's great. We get compared to 
to different podcasts like that that have those studios and have, you know, some podcasts even have their own media people that do all the editing for them. Like we do it ourselves, you know, so it's it's got to, there's got to be some ups and downs that come with that. So anyway, maybe uh, let's uh, move into some memorable moments. Who wants to kick us off? I can go ahead and go first. I mean, I'll go with I'll go with two. And the, the first one that I will say was kind of our first big, like kind of micro brand interview. We had sort of kind of loosely touched base with Monta, um, who, you know, that same group, those same guys have Everest watch bands for, you know, for various other, you know, Rolex, Tudor, et cetera. And I kind of just messaged saying, hey, you know, we're, you know, I've, I've finally seen one of your pieces in person. These things are amazing. Would you guys want to come on? And it was right as lockdown had started. And Justin was like, yeah, of course. So it was absolutely fantastic. And I think the coolest part there was it was as they were releasing their new micro adjust clasp on all of their models. So we were talking about that and we weren't quite using this same setup. So we were actually on a Google meet at that point. So Google was kind of doing that weird ghost thing where whoever was talking was on your screen. So as, as Buzz would ask a question about the clasp, then we would let Justin respond and he'd respond and he'd have the new, he, he's like, funny, you should mention that. And he had the new clasp up and like the three of us lost our minds. You can hear it on the audio. And then the next one was, um, <laughs> we asked about, Hey, would an Everest fit? And he goes, funny, you should mention that. And he had, it was like, he was, and it was just that nobody else could see it except the four of us. But the fact that we were asking questions and he could tell where it was going. And as soon as we saw him on screen next, he had it. It was just, it was so cool. Um, I think oh, that's awesome. I think the next one though, I've got one other fun moment, and it was it was when we realized we were gonna have Brodinky on the show the first time. <laughs> he's he's kind of been a buddy of ours. We've got a group chat with him that's fairly active on a daily basis, not to brag, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh he's been on now three times. But when I was messaging him, he's like, I listen to you guys, you guys are pretty fun. I was like, Would you want to come on? He goes, You'd want me to come? I was like, of course we'd want you to come on. Like, you heard, you've heard our show. I feel like you fit in. <laughs> um, but that was that was just one of those things where it was just like, holy cow! That like we're gonna have somebody who is fairly well known for 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 poking fun at at us. Like, but he's doing it from the inside. It was just it was such a cool like. Okay, all right, we're gonna do this. We're gonna lean in. We're gonna have a blast with this. And it's been it's been absolutely great getting to know him too. So wow. that was that was a ton of fun. That's awesome. Some great, great memories there. All right, Vinny, what about you? So there's two moments that I that I think of and I think we were having a big um, like monthly group chat anth, and uh, I, think, I think Alex was organizing this one and, you know, we had our usual lineup of like four or five of us and then midway through the podcast, our good friend Dane, the watch felt, jumps in and the same sort of excitement, like you said, Spence, the whole, everyone just went into raptures. It was like, oh, Dane's here. Like, we were just so happy that our buddy <laughs> surprised us and joined in. And um, yeah, that was just like awesome. Like yeah. everyone was so genuinely in that moment, so excited to just have a friend, another friend to chat to. Um, and none of us were expecting yeah. it. It was just just a great, great moment. Like everyone was just so happy. Um, and then another moment was in the podcast with the 359 designer. Anth, is that is that oh, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three four nine. Yeah, Three, four, Elio. Nine. Elio and his uh, Italian guy, strong accent, and the way he was speaking about his watch and the concepts of design and symmetry and just thinking and explaining it like 
I was hanging on every word. It was yeah. unbelievable. It was like I didn't know it was like floating and he was just the words that coming into my ears. I was like, where am I? Am I falling in love with this guy? What's going on? It was just unbelievable. And it was just the accent and the way he would express things like it was just, yeah, I, that was yeah. one of the, the most memorable things um, for sure, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Cool, good memories, good memories. Um, Buzz. Okay. Uh, so my most memorable moment is is an in aggregate sort of thing. I, I think it's it's interesting that every single one of us uh, on the podcast has spoken so far about the importance of the the community and the friends that that you make, both in watch collecting, but also just in, in putting these podcasts on. I really enjoyed in, in aggregate. We had a run um, in November and December last year where we had seven guests in a row. That's that's an awful lot of back to back. You know, normally we would have uh, a guest or a couple of guests, and then uh, an episode with just us three. We had seven in a row which actually included three return guests, right? We had uh, Mike Stockton on. We had John uh, Fair from Brew and uh, Lauren and Lorenzo from Laurier back. And just to be on a run like that, talking to new friends, but also old friends, people that we had had on the podcast before, we stayed in touch with, and it was uh, it was like old home week when when we uh, turned on the Squadcast app and you could could see them on on your screen. It was really neat. It was very surreal. made made me feel like uh, in in some small way that I'm kind of really officially uh, part of part of this community. Uh, it was just a, a good time, and it it's. It's wild too because I think about it. Okay, with with you guys, uh, we've now had people from four different continents on our humble podcast, right? Uh, Brett Williams of Albany Watch Company is in South Africa. Oh, yeah. uh, Mike Stockton's been on multiple times uh, out of Europe with Fratello. Now, now you guys holding Australia up. Uh, we're on a good clip. <laughs> I think that uh, getting the Antarctica interview is going to be a little tough, <laughs> but it's good to have goals. Yeah, absolutely. But well, that was really well said, mate. Really well said. Um, all right. For me, uh, and then we'll move on, is I think I've got a couple. The, the first one was at the end of the first episode that Alex and I recorded, the, the very first one. I don't think I've ever felt sort of adrenaline or a high quite like when we stopped recording and we just, we could hardly talk. We were so excited that we'd just done this. And I think very much like you, Spence, back in that sort of the last six months of 2019 to early 2020, the, the podcast, like there was across time zones, there was Hodinki, there was all this stuff was coming out and I was just consuming. I'd sort of switched from YouTube to podcasting and stopped watching YouTube videos because podcasting was where I was getting my my 
sort of information from. And then Alex and I were sort of like, we we just did it ourselves. And I just remember feeling so good and like we accomplished something, we started something. Um, so yeah, the adrenaline was cranking that day. But but one of my sort of most memorable moments was actually, and I kind of gave it away earlier, was talking to Dustin, who's um, a friend of your show and and you guys as well. And he sort of sits in this little group of these uh, cool people that ha- sort of hang out on the internet together. Um, and so my conversation with him was we'd never met before and it was just him and I and it was like we met 20 years ago and we've been friends ever since and then we had this conversation and not only that but he for him to talk about the story with the or, uh, the OPs and his father and about the tribute to his late mother and that was only two months before we recorded that podcast and I just thought to myself, you know, here's a guy, he's, he's put his heart on his sleeve for for the watch community like he he wants people to know this story and he wants to talk about it so it was just a a a beautiful and enjoyable conversation and it without getting all sort of uh bromanced here and things like that it was just it, it felt really intimate like we were sitting in the same room having a conversation having a whiskey talking about watches even though he was you know up in northeastern north america and i'm down way down in south australia yet we were not that far away from each other through that conversation. So, yeah, bit, bit, bit sooky and a bit mushy there, but it was just awesome. So, they, they were my memories. Very good. Nah, that's really sweet, mate. That's awesome. We had a fun right, moment What's on next, ours. Spence? What, what do we have next? Let's see. We got uh, funniest guests. Oh, man. Oh, funniest guest. Why don't you go first, Anthony? All right, I'll go first. My our funniest guest would have to be the managing director of Oris Australia, none other than Peter Borgitz. So he is a larger than life fella, um, huge part of the community, but he is so far removed from any brand sort of employee or managing director that you've ever seen. He swears he collects. He's got a collection of seventy odd custom knives from little tiny folders to sea axes and he absolutely loves them had over 700 fountain pens smokes cigars loves watches uh loves to drink and get just blotto with brand people from different brands and stuff and and he's not afraid to talk about other brands but yeah for anyone who hasn't heard that episode go back and listen to Peter from Oris Australia, and you will just sit there and have a, the biggest laugh. Absolute legend, top dude. But yeah, I'd love to have him back on again because we just we just pissed ourselves laughing the whole podcast. So very cool. All right, that's mine. Buzzy, who do you think it is? Who's, who's yours from us? I'll let you go first. Well, I, I, so before I start that, there's got to be something – with Oris that you just have to be cool to, to work for them because VJ is a hilarious and just very solid guy. Uh, we had him on Lord, probably June or July. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Last year. He was, he was the, the, the it wasn't our, our most memorable moment on a podcast, but I was, it was still mid COVID. I remember getting, the Instagram message from him saying, Hey, I've been listening to you guys. Would you want to try out some of our pieces? Like, like he approached, and I was like, 
you got the right podcast, right? You know, you like, you know, you're talking. It's like you're, you didn't mess this up, right? Like, you know, you're talking to the three bros in Cincy, right? Like, that was that was kind of mm. the. It wasn't an on-air moment, and having him on was absolutely a blast. And he's like Buzz said, he's a great guy. Um, and I get that a lot from the folks at Oris. Like hearing that, I know, I know the guys at Fratello are big fans of the folks uh, in Europe as well. So like, they, you're right, it must just be a thing with their brand. Uh, but that was that was that was pretty cool. So yeah, continue, Buzzy. Sorry. Yeah, they they just keep a good cast of characters there. Um, I, I think it's pretty obvious that it's Brodinky on this one. Yeah, it, it's pretty <laughs> hard not to. Although, yeah, Debbie was pretty hilarious at, at Case and Crown. Um, two uh, episodes ago she she was a, a hoot and I, I think a lot of that is um actually kind of a similar vein to bro dinky like bro dinky when he's memeing he's he's making jokes but it's about stuff that like he's done and we've all done being collectors <laughs> and um you know a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that debbie was talking about like it's not it's not necessarily like a stand-up comedy act, but it's so funny because you remember that point in your collecting journey. Like you remember all all of all of those analogous things. So it really like kind of internally yeah, you know, gives you a laugh. Spence. Yeah. I mean So you took you took bro. Bad? Well, what I would say is I think that some of the moments that I can remember from the two Laurier episodes were actually pretty good because it's, it's a very unique dynamic to have a husband and wife on at the same time and getting it like, not only just because we do this with video, uh, not obviously for the folks at home, but for the four of us here. And when it was them, it was the five because they were sitting next to each other. Um, Just getting to see the looks and like Lauren's reaction to what Lorenzo (laughs) was saying. And Buzzy and I are both married. And it's like, oh, buddy, you guys are going to talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> but I, can't, I mean, I can't. we actually did a we we did a similar thing where it wasn't planned. But you know, watch Gringer over uh, yeah, in the yep. UK. I was in that episode. Um, yeah. So yeah, so she came on and and watch Poppy was in the background, and he was like, "Don't say this and don't say that." And yeah, I absolutely loved recording with a husband and wife because it was so much. It was fun. just, it was Very like good. I got it, and I was like, "Man, they like I, I'd be curious as to, I mean, love my wife. I don't know if we could run a brand together." So that is that is just, I mean, and the 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 plexi crystal and the like there are very specific things that they do with their watches and there's a reason they do them and they have a very strong reason and they like these certain things. And just, it was like, I could tell Lorenzo was going on a bit of a rant the one time and it was just, it was great. Like just seeing somebody get so fired up about why they do what they do and the passion is there. And just again, watching Lauren kind of just look at him (laughs) while he was doing that was just great. (laughs) Ah, that's awesome. Um, Vinny, do you have one from? Well, you, you already you, been. I can't remember. No, no. Um, you you took them right off the top of my head, mate. I'm gonna uh, say Peter yeah. was he's larger than life character. Yeah, he. I don't know how on earth they do the recruiting at Oris, but they just seem to nail it every time. Like, yeah, it's just the coolest, strangest, but most awesome guy. Um, I've got a lot of time for him, and um, like you said, uh, watch Gringo and watch Puppy, it's a husband and wife team. Like, yeah, so funny. Just so many good moments and 
yeah, can't really you, – you nailed it. All right. Should we move on to watches? We should. We actually talk about some watches so I'll go at ahead, some point. I'll go ahead and right. ask this one. Anthony, and it, we'll start with you. Yeah. Favorite watch in the collection and what makes it your favorite? Well, I, I think – I wore the Habring today for the reason to answer this question because, and, I, and I, look, I have some beautiful watches and as this, as the podcast continues on, people will start hearing me saying that I'm not buying any watches for 2021. And it's something that I wanted to do where, you know, you're always looking for the next thing. And, and even though we might have a question about that coming up and I will be able to, I will answer it, but uh, you know, I just, I was, I was kind of sick of, you get a watch and then you're already like, it's in the mail. You haven't even got it yet, yet you're already thinking about the next one. So I really wanted to take a step back, enjoy my beautiful collection that I worked so hard for and just sort of enjoy what I have and stop always wanting the next thing all the time. So to answer the question, my, my favorite watch, it's, it's gotta be my Habring. And the reason is um, a lot of my other watches are really sort of so, purpose-serving watches. Like I've got a few Rolex tool watches, um, a tag chronograph, a Flieger, which which is great for, for legibility and stuff. But my Habring is really my only useless complication watch that I have. So the rest of dates and a, a chronograph and stuff like that. But a deadbeat seconds is this old world sort of useless thing that doctors used to use. And I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about pulsometers that doctors never used them. So, but yeah, just, I loved, and I think when I rang Richard off the website phone number, because I, I had an issue when it first arrived and he answered the phone and said, you know, hello. And I'm like, I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, you know, thinking that you're going to get some receptionist or something. And it was him. So, the Habring for me was the watch that pulled me into independence and starting the relationship and working out how that all works. And and I've not looked back since and I don't think I ever will because I've now got some great relationships with independent watchmakers that I thought I could never have. So, yeah, Habring TZ21. Also, the fact that there's only 21 of these in the world and they keep making, you know, Messina, William Messina keeps making the next iteration, but he's now doing 50 of them. And it's kind of like this This one's the OG. This is the the original one. And it happens to be 21 of 21 as well. So it was the last one of, of that group. So it's just kind of a bit special, I think, for me anyway. So that's mine. Buzzy, what about you? Awesome. You know, it's funny because I do not wear this one much at all. But it's a, a sentimental favorite Uh I really like, I've got a uh, vintage Tudor Oyster Prince, kind of mid-70s. It's a 34-millimeter case on a, on a leather strap, um, champagne dial, uh, no date. And I, I bought it, obviously, used because I'm not that old. And uh, it was, uh, it kind of had two eras of, of watch collecting, I, I kind of uh, got out of the hobby for a while then uh, Spence dragged me back into it you know, <laughs> back in for one for one last uh, one last fling with the hobby and uh, I remember buying it uh, off of uh, poor man's watch forum off of the used one and it was like dirt cheap uh, 
compared to what they go for now. And uh, just getting it in, and uh, it was so small, but all of the details were so beautiful with uh, with old watches. How you know when the the loom starts to uh, change colors, just it was too too cool, and uh, I, I really really like it. I would have a hard time uh, not having it. Awesome. I had a feeling it was going to be that one, Buzz. I had a feeling. <laughs> Vinny, what about you? Uh, uh, for me, it's got to be the Rolex Explorer. Um, yeah, I just young like when you're young, you're just like, yeah, maybe one day I'll get there. I'll be able to have a Rolex. And yeah, worked worked a couple jobs. Everything that I did on my second job every every weekend. Um, that would just go straight towards, you know, the watch fund. And it's funny, I used to think that watch was boring and why would anyone pay attention to it? And then the more I kept looking at it, the more I fell in love with it. And it was just, yeah, I realized like, oh, that's the perfect watch for me. And yeah, uh, since getting it, I've been on many trips with it, went to New Zealand and went on top of the Franz Joseph Glacier. So I have some great memories with it. But every time I look at it in the watch box, it's been, I've had it for two years now. It's still the one I grab. It's still my favorite piece. Like, that's not going anywhere. And to have the honeymoon period just go since the day you got it till, you know, two years down the track, I think, yeah, fully smitten by it. It's never going to change. And yeah, just really proud that, like, I had a goal and I stuck to it. And a couple of years of, of work and making it happen. Um, very proud to wear it. And yeah, it's not going anywhere. Nice. All right. I guess that leaves just me. So I'll. I got to go with two because if my kids ever listen to this, um, I can't <laughs> pick one over the other. I'm going to be, 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 be neutral here. Um, so it really is. It's going to be um, my Tudor Black Bay Steel and my Omega Seamaster uh, Professional. The, I have the white dial with the black uh, ceramic bezel. Um, those two, you know, realistically, that's what kind of got me into the hobby was um, my family – on both sides don't really have any heirlooms. And it was one of those things where I was just like, you know, I want to have something to kind of pass down um, to my sons. And yeah, I I thought a lot, I thought long and hard about what was going to be my first purchase. My wife was, my wife liked the idea. She's like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. You know, you've, you've been looking at watches for a while, kind of admiring from afar, you know, we're having a boy. It makes sense. It was with Pierce, our firstborn. It makes sense to kind of start that tradition. Um, so I came up with a set of criteria really kind of after I went and tried on a couple of pieces and ended up with the tutor. I was like, you know, this is just, it makes sense that I get a, a watch that came out the year they were born. Um, and obviously being you know, stainless steel, something that you'd feel okay giving to your child once they reach a certain age. Um, and Omega really bailed me out with the the Seamaster because there wasn't much that was a stainless steel sport watch on a bracelet that came out in uh 2019 when our second son was born. But, uh, you know, every time I wear those two, I think of them, I always try to make sure I wear it to important things like their baptism, you know, first day of school. Um, you know, my, my, we actually were lucky enough to have, uh, my wife's sister lives in Germany, um, has since she graduated from, from college four years, four years, four years ago. Yeah. Uh, five, four and a half, somewhere in there. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, she came to visit for the first time and she was supposed to come last year in the summer, but with COVID and everything going back and forth, um, just kind of 
wasn't sure she'd be able to make it back to Germany with all the travel restrictions. So she hadn't actually met our youngest son. So on her first day where they were introduced, like, got to throw on the Omega. Like, just it's those little things that like it, it's a fun way so that when our kids, I mean, we, we have more pictures of our kids than I think our parents ever had of us because it's easy to do. And I like to make sure that right. for those kind of special moments, when you go back and look for the boys, if they're ever going back and you look like, Oh, dad's got on the watch that I'm wearing. Like just that's, I'm, I'm enjoying making those memories. And, and I like a lot of my other watches and I probably wear my other ones a little bit more, but just the sentimental attachment to those two, those are the two that will never leave. Not that I'm looking. For, yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just going to ask if you were documenting sort of like, cause I think it would be cool to have a, a piece of paper or something like a digital document in years to come to say, here you go. This is, this is the watch and this is where, but it sounds like with the photos, you're going to be able to sort of produce those photos in 20 years time and be like, look at that. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, it, yeah. Yeah. The, the cool, the story about the Omega and when I got that was pretty impressive. It was um, we've talked about it on a previous episode, like probably 50 episodes ago, but the um, it came in the Friday before our youngest son's baptism. So I had, I had been in at Richter and Phillips. I had ordered it. You know, it was, it was coming in. I was going to get the first one that they got. And I just so happened to walk in randomly on my lunch break because their, their store is two blocks away from where I work the, the day that their Omega rep was in. So I got to meet him, was talking to him. And then all of a sudden, like it wasn't supposed to come in until December and he, it showed up the Friday before and he knew the date. Like I had talked about it when it was, he's like, I don't know if we're going to get him from Switzerland by then. And our buddy Blake at Richter and Phillips, he's like, I talked to Justin. He's like, I knew I needed to get one to Cincinnati. So I got it. To, I was like, that's the, like, I'm a nobody. That was my first Omega I've ever purchased. I'm a nobody. I didn't even have the podcast at the time. Not that he had seven listeners, but uh, the fact that it came two days before the baptism was just, it was on my wrist and all the photos. It was amazing. That just, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> awesome. Such a, such a good way to remember that sort of initial um, story. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right, let's uh, let's speed through the next question really quickly if we can, because then we want to get on to the, the the sort of main topic that you guys wanted to discuss around um, homages to Rolex and and Gerald Genta. So just hold that thought for two seconds. But are there any watches on the horizon? We'll, we'll start with Buzz, Vinny, Spence, then myself, and then we'll get into the topic. So go for it, Buzz. What's what's coming, or what what do you got your eye on? There, there has been a Doxa bug going around our uh, red bar. Uh, no doxycycline can can cure it. Only purchasing a Doxa can, <laughs> can cure it. So, a friend of ours has a fiftieth uh, anniversary uh, sub three hundred. It's gorgeous. I would settle for a normal sub 300 and just only cry a little bit that the, <laughs> the serifs are just not quite right. Um, sea Rambler or Shark Hunter. Uh, I've been keeping my eyes peeled. Uh, the the T's are fine, but they're a little too thick and I don't care for the flat uh, crystal on them. So sub 300, please. Either that yeah. or an Omega uh, 2254, so the old non-bond SMP, those have always looked attractive to me. I think that those are uh, a timeless, that's a timeless looking uh, Seamaster. 
I've seen them in real life on people's wrists and always it's, it's always noticeable, not in a super flashy way, but in a good way. So, yeah. Uh, one of those seems likely. Good, good, good. Vinny. Um, I actually am not sure what's on my radar recently. This is probably this is going to be news to you, Ant. But recently, I borrowed okay. um, a, a Vacheron Traditionnel, and that's always been my grail. And I've, I thought I was hell bent on that's where I want one day. That's the next one. Where whenever it would be, um, that would be the next the next watch. And I borrowed Dane's because uh, he had one in, and I kind of realized I just the guilt, the pure guilt of thinking of spending that much money on a watch and wearing it. Uh, I couldn't get over it. Uh, I've borrowed I've borrowed a rose gold one before, and that's what made made me fall in love with it. But I just I don't know what it was this time. I just felt too guilty thinking that actually spending that much money on a watch for myself. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I just came back down to earth a little bit, and now I'm I'm not sure what's on the horizon. Uh, yeah, I just got to figure it out. I think I've always wanted a reverse, so that might be might be ticking away. But I'm looking forward to. April where Watches and Wonders, there may be there's something new that will grab my attention. I'll absolutely fall for that. But yeah, recent development mm. is just uh, the guilt of spending that much money. I, I couldn't, I don't think I'll be able to do that. So yeah, we'll see how the collection goes. Never say never, mate. You never know. We'll see. I might win the lottery tomorrow and I'll buy a Rainbow Daytona. We'll see. <laughs> That's the spirit. There you go. <laughs> Positive vibe. All right. Suspense. Uh, this will come as no surprise to Buzz because I keep I keep trying to go make sure I'm covering all my bases and 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 keeping everything in this price point I- ideal. Um, I've had a huge crush on the SRQ 029, which a lot of people will be like, "What is that?" It's the Seiko, the limited edition they came out with last year to celebrate their uh, 6138 Panda chronograph. Although it has three subdials, two of them are black. Um, it's a little bit tall. It's it's not quite that big. It's still 41 millimeters, which the original was. Um, I've had a huge crush on it for a while. Haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I've been trying on the same one for the last 14 months. That's still in the case at Richter and Phillips. So I feel like Blake and I just need to figure that out at some point. Um, but that's, that's the one right now. I keep, I keep making sure that I have, I'm not missing out on it. They don't have any blind spots, but like, that's the one that the day that it came in, I tried it on and I just, I haven't quite pulled the trigger yet. It's, it's, it's one of those, I think it'll eventually happen. So Blake, if you're listening, let's talk. all right now it would be silly of me to say what i said before about not buying any watches this year and then give you a watch that i've got my eye on so instead of doing that i'm gonna talk about an idea as opposed to a watch so what i would like for my next watch because i really want to start slowing down and sort of just chill the chill out (laughs) i won't swear just chill out and uh, and enjoy what i've got so what i thought i would really like to do next is my own sort of, not not my own, but a limited edition sort of piece with a brand. So whether it be a a sort of a fifth wrist watch or something with a group of say 10 guys from Australia or anywhere in the world get together and make a make a watch for us. So the reason why is I know that that process can take anywhere between most likely 12 months to two years to get that process underway. The people I'm thinking about, uh, I'd love to do a Habring because I think that would be just awesome. The brand speaks to me to have to have an, a, a designed watch that I had a contribution to would be great. But the other one that's really caught my eye is um, Satori Pillard, 
in uh, in France. So I think Satori or Armand, uh, who I'm, I'm going to be speaking with shortly, which is going to be great, doing something with him. He makes some great limited edition watches for different clubs and stuff like that. So, so my on the horizon is the idea of building or designing or, or contributing to a specific limited edition that I can share with some other people for a very long time to come. So, yeah, so that's mine. All right, Spence, over to you. Let's uh, let's get on with the, the the final topic before we we wrap up. Sure. Let's so go. you know, anybody who listened to last week's episode with Bro, um, our wrist check was a bit unique. Uh, we were all wearing Daytonas, or so we joked, um, because obviously the Zenith Chronomaster Sport caused a bit of a stir, and it seems like every watch that comes out these days is oh that just looks like this Rolex or oh that just looks like you know this Genta model or whatever. And it seems like everybody is so hell bent on trying to figure out what watch inspired this watch and isn't just satisfied looking saying, Hey, is this a nice watch? Is this something that speaks to me? And I'm of the opinion of more watches, more choices are always better. You know, not every watch is for everybody, but if, if I don't like it, it just means it's not for me. It could be for somebody else. And I always I, I have a, a, a trope that I joke about Breitling for Bentley. That is clearly for somebody. And they have they've made some other ones like that new Chronomat, the 42 millimeter that's gorgeous. So that's the exception that proves the rule, if you will. But everybody's trying to figure out what the inspiration was. And, and, and we do it with music. We do it with cars, too. Like everything sounds like the Beatles or the Stones. Everything's either Rolex or Genta. And I'm kind of sick of it. Like evaluate the watch for what it is. I don't, yeah, yeah, the new day, the new Zenith looks a bit like a Daytona. It does, but it looks like that because it has a black ceramic bezel. A lot of other watches have black ceramic bezels. The Cincinnati Watch Co. watch that Buzz is wearing has a black ceramic bezel. Let's just start talking about yeah, watches, buddy. how they are, what the technical merits are, whether or not it's a good design and stop trying to compare it to watches of yesterday or today or whatever. I mean, everyone's going to try to hop on the hype train so like let's 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 just take a step back. Let's stop taking things too seriously, guys. That's that's kind of my little spiel there. But that's the topic is can we have new watches or not? Yeah. All right, maybe I'll kick it off because I think you started to nail it there with um it's really difficult for brands these days to bring out anything that has an integrated bracelet. Oh, that's trying to be like a Patek uh, Nautilus or Royal Oak. Like Jepec brings out his I think it's called a Ele- Elegance um, which is the the uh, integrated bracelet that he's done? Hublot does it with their their one of their big bangs, bang straight away. You know, it's it's trying to look like the Royal Oak and the finishing and stuff like that. I think it's really difficult for watch brands these days because it's almost the same as saying, "Oh, this Toyota has four tires, the Ferrari has four tires, therefore they're trying to be like the Ferrari." When really they're completely different. The, the links in the Jepec and the Hublot compared to the Royal Oak are, are totally different. The dials are different. The hands are different. Like every, you could actually pull it apart. The only similarity is that it's integrated bracelet. The only similarity with the Zenith is that it's a tri-register and it has a black ceramic bezel. Like so many other, a chronograph has to have at least one, two, or three subdials to be a chronograph. Like I, I agree with you. I think that because of the hype train and just the amount of consumerism that goes around a stainless steel sports watch, whether it be a Rolex or a, a, a Royal Oak, that everything just gets compared to that. And I think that 
I mean, we don't really have hype cars other than the only things I'll say are hype cars are air-cooled Porsches. And when you look <laughs> at air-cooled Porsches, there's this there's this sentiment that comes with a water-cooled Porsche that it's never as good as an air-cooled Porsche. And it's just trying to be like an air-cooled Porsche, but it's not. So when Singer Reimagined brings out their beautiful based on a 964, but reimagines it back to early 70s Porsches, you know, what are they trying to copy? They're kind of not, and yet they are a hype machine in some ways because they're almost unattainable for most people, and they've only made 110 cars, I think. But, yeah, I, I think I agree. I think people need to take a step back. It's very difficult to reinvent the wheel when the wheel was invented 400 years ago and it's continued to evolve. So let's just chill out. Watch brands don't go – they don't go, let's put a ceramic bezel so we can look like a Daytona. They do it because – they know ceramic in 50 years' time is going to look very similar. It's a robust material. It's sort of and, – and that's kind of why I like Hublot where a lot of people don't is because – and I said this on the podcast and I actually talked to the, the boutique manager of Frankfurt, um, Mike Linner, and he was sort of saying it's really hard when people come in and they're like, oh, that just looks like a Royal Oak. Where there's really – Hublot is, is a brand that is pushing the boundaries. They're innovative and – if you look at Hublot from 20 years ago to Hublot now, they actually start the trends. Hublot was the first brand to put a rubber bracelet, a rubber strap on a, a precious metal, and that was the idea of fusion and the Big Bang. So if not for them, would we have the likes of AP Royal Oak Offshores? Would we have Richard Mille? Would we have, you know, even... Sometimes the doxes on the rubber straps and stuff like that. I know that they're sort of divesque. They've been doing that. But, yeah, I think – and yet Hublot is probably the brand that gets the most hate, yet they're the ones that are actually doing the most to take this industry forward. So end of rant, over to someone else to hopefully either agree or disagree. But, yeah, is the Toyota the same as a Ferrari? No. Does it have the same things? Yes. But there are so many things different about it. That's me. <laughs> I enjoyed that, Ant. I think, yeah, that was good. Buzz, I think you're, you're up. He just That's, visually dropped yeah, his that mic, but he didn't actually drop his mic. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, uh, this one is actually a, a question of philosophy and like so many things that, that underpin today's uh, – news and popular sentiments and everything. It's a question of philosophy without anyone realizing it. At the end of the day, there are only so many case shapes uh, in the world. And guess what? An awful lot of them are going to look close enough to an oyster case. <laughs> so you are going to see some similarities there. Uh, I go back to the Pareto split. I really think that 80% of what's coming out at least, if not, is not necessarily a, a direct rip off of a, a Rolex or a Genta design, but it's um, reflective of that which was before. Okay, so so whether it is actually something similar to to a sub or whether it's something similar to a previous watch in, in the uh, collection of that, that company. 
uh, there's obviously, and with good reason, uh, watches, successful watches sell and why upset the Apple cart, right? So a speedy is going to look like a, a speedy when it first went into space. And the Avatimer is going to look like a Navi. But 20% of what's coming out is a, a completely different animal. Okay. Uh, tell me a, a Serpeneva looks like anything that came before it. You can't. Okay. Um, and same with Moser in a lot of things because, you know, without they're making watches that have got nothing on the dial, not even Swiss made, not even an indice, just hands. And now you look at Satori Billard, he's bringing out his ghost, which is just basically mirror polished, no indices, no numerals. So we're seeing a sort of a new trend coming there. But, but you know, I can't see Rolex bringing out nothing on the dial. They need like 10 lines of literature each dial. <laughs> I don't remember who did. How else are you going to know it's a- I don't remember who did the meme, but somebody did a Rolex Star Wars edition that had like the the scrolling at the beginning of Star Wars with all the text. <laughs> it was fantastic. I don't know if it was a bro. I don't know who it was. I haven't been able to see it again, but it's the Rolex Star Wars, the Submariner. And it's like 30 lines of text that all get smaller as they go. To, it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's good. I mean, Very so, good. you know, the, the, the Serpineva, uh, the Oris PPX, okay, that that's completely completely different the uh, omega uh, tresor even okay i i think that that's pretty pretty unique obviously i'm not super well versed in, in that area but that that looked like nothing I've, I've seen before uh a lot of the stuff that grand seiko is uh coming out with um some of the dial work that they're doing so you know, just because something has the the overall shape that that's that's something uh, similar to a K shape that that's been before, it, it doesn't mean that's the same thing. I mean, that's if if we want to get oh lord, who uh, trying to remember which uh, which doctor that the, the uh, church it was, but. Um, uh, it's a, a medieval concept of uh, the the substance of something and, and the accidents of something, which the appearance essentially. Um, so, just because the accidents of, of something, the, the appearance of something might be be similar, it is not actually the the same substance. That's all I got. Any, anything. Yeah, I guess the the one that sparked this whole thought um, is the is the new El Primero, and I have just before anything else, I have no issues with them taking a little bit of Daytona flavor, because Rolex took the inner workings of the movement, you know, a few generations ago. So I think they're well within their right to take a little bit off the top and and chuck a black ceramic bezel on. But yeah, like you guys said, if if you don't think about it hard enough, every watch looks like every other watch. I mean. Yes, it's got a it's got a black bezel and the the clasp is very very Rolex ish, but they're very different watches and I have no issue with it. I think we're also in a time where integrated steel sports watches and sport watch, sport watches in general are flying high. They are doing better than they've ever done. So naturally, brands are going to see that's what's successful at the moment, and then you'll see things like the Chopard Alpine Eagle come out or um, the Chapek that you mentioned, Anth. You know. 
they're, they are money-making entities. They're going to try and tag along and hopefully all boats rise in that segment, which has been pretty true. I mean, yeah, we've been talking about it for a long time now, sports watches in general. But yeah, when people come out with something new, like when AP came out with the 1159, the reaction wasn't great. So yeah, <laughs> we we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot as enthusiasts because whenever we do see something new, it's it might be jarring and we might totally dismiss it, even though we want to see something new and we want to see something exciting. But as soon as it does come along, we go, that's pretty horrible. No, thanks. We'll go back to yeah. our integrated steel sports watches and Rolexes. So uh, it's tough. I mean, yeah, I think we all want to see something exciting, but when it when something new and outrageous comes along, we've got to have this sort of mentality to not dismiss it straight away and, and take it for its own merit, which is, I think, what mirrors what you guys said earlier. Yeah. And just a couple of quick things. So, the I'm not allowed to say the M word, but recently the, the streamliner came out in the last 12 months. And, you know, there's that one that's that was polarizing and you either loved it or you hated it. Whereas I think with the 1159, people were scared to love it, so they had to hate it because everyone else did, where there's the, the Moser sort of split crew. But, Vinny, I think you're right that we are just in this probably a 10-year cycle of integrated bracelets and then it will go back to something else because if you look at the late 90s and, and 2000s, it was the oversized rubber, oversized case rubber bracelet, sort of Panerai, Hublot, Richard Mille, Royal Oak Offshore, there was that, and, and everyone, even Breitling were doing it. Um, Raymond Wheel were doing it. Sort of it went from the top to the bottom, other way around, sorry for those that can see me, <laughs> the top to the bottom. <laughs> um, you know, so we're probably just in that in that mind frame now of this still integrated sports watch, but then eventually I can actually see the the dress watch coming back into sort of proper um, front of mind watch fashion, if you suppose, if you if you think of it like that, that that will swing back. Because we know history repeats itself. It always does. The integrated bracelet was a thing of the early 70s and now we're back into it 50 years later. So what was before that or after that was kind of the dress watch sort of uh, renaissance. So I think we'll see that again as the bracelet thing gets overworn and a bit boring, we'll go back to those leather straps. And we're seeing it all the time. I mean, strap companies are popping up like no tomorrow and people are buying them. So they want watches that can do this multiple uh, looks where they can wear rubber, they can wear NATO, they can wear a leather strap, etc. So I, I actually think that's going to be the thing of the future, kind of like VC with the overseas. If a watch in the future, it needs to serve all those purposes to, you know, not be successful. But I think that's what more and more people are going to want to expect if the if the watch. So the the streamline will be an interesting one because we've not seen that yet. But could it go on a rubber bracelet? Probably, maybe with a an end link at the top or something like that. But I think in future, that's what's going to need to happen because. People are going to want to change straps. We get bored so easily as a society these days. And if we can't, if if it comes fixed, what's the fun in that? You can't play with it. You can't muck around and change the looks and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, I think, Interesting. I think that changing the straps is the Apple Watch influence to a degree. I don't own one. Yeah. But if you think about it, people change the rubber band. They put a leather on. They have, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very interchangeable and, People were doing that on, on wristwatches prior, but I feel like the way Apple has made that kind of an accessory, it 
I think that's kind of influenced kind of how we're all looking at it. And I think the VC is a great example. It comes with a bracelet, a rubber strap, a leather strap. The the face is sporty enough. It has enough water resistance to to go near or in water, but isn't. I mean, I, I think I think kind of people are probably unlike us, unlike us who have this weird disease where we like to collect these things. Um, <laughs> your your normal folks are probably looking at something saying, oh, that I can do everything. That's the watch I want. Like it, it's, it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, oh, that's like, you're going to hear brands that have been making watches for, for a very long time being like, oh, it has that cool bracelet like an Apple watch does. I want that. That's the thing. So I'm with you. I, I kind of see the interchangeability mm. of having one watch that can do it all. Makes sense. Yeah. I know we need to probably start wrapping up because this has gone for quite a while now, but can we go just one step further for one second with the homage thing? And we talk about Squale, Squale and those brands that literally duplicate the, I think it's called the Ocean, oh, it's got me now. I think it's the Ocean GMT, but it's it's basically a Rolex GMT and it's, it's almost a one-for-one copy. So... My quick opinion on that is I actually, I don't mind that sometimes because we know that, um, I can't remember the saying, but it's something like imitation is- the highest form of flattery, flattery basically. Yeah. Serious form yeah, of flattery. something like that. So I think, and, and also Rolex GMTs, not only, even if you got the money or double the money, you still can hardly get them. So- there are people out there that, that love watches, that want to wear the, the $100, maybe it's an Invicta, Rolex copy basically because they enjoy that Pepsi aesthetic and stuff like that. So I do still think that there is a, a place for those proper one-for-one uh, one homage copies that you see out in the world. Even though a lot of people don't like them, that's fine for people that can afford that kind of watch. But what if you just love the look of the Pepsi, but you're never going to turn out 20 grand US for a Pepsi and you're not getting on any wait lists, um, you know, so yeah. What do you guys think? What about Spence? I mean, they're not for me. Um, but I mean, that doesn't mean they're not, they don't have a place. I mean, clearly they sell, otherwise they wouldn't exist. It's, I am not a, not the firmest believer, but I'm kind of a big believer of if, if the product exists and someone's buying it and it perpetuates, there's a place for it. It may not be for me, yeah. but that doesn't mean that it's not for somebody. So again, I'm, I'm always of the opinion of, I don't want to say let the market decide, but if there's a market for it, why not? Yeah, cool. Any Vinny or Buzz, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I do. I think I don't think for us, especially as it's our hobby, something we love to do, I don't think price should exclude you from enjoying something. Like if you if you want the King Sub, which is a, a 369 dial Submariner, which was only made in the late 50s, and you don't have an extra $2 million to spend, why not go for the Steinhardt, which has the same flavor, but it will cost you, yeah, it's in your ballpark. So I really, I hate to see people sort of say or think, oh, I can't get into watch collecting because of the price or, you know, I'll never be able to afford that GMT Pepsi. Like if they want to go for the Steinhardt power to them, like fakes is a different conversation, but homages, I just don't yeah. think people should be priced out of the hobby and I, I would hate for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Uh, two two big points here. Number one, substance and accidents. Those that was actually I've looked it up. 
it's more of an Aristotelian thing, but Thomas Aquinas used it to explain several things. That's why I was thinking Dr. Buzzy's keeping us up here to describe transubstantiation. <laughs> um, the, uh, but yeah, Vin, Vinny's point, if as long as they're not trying to fake anything, hey, I, I have an alpha Pepsi GMT. It was the first automatic watch that I bought. And, um, you know, e- even if I had a Rolex GMT size pile of money sitting on the sideline that I wanted to use uh, to buy one of those, that they're not available. But, you know, a, a new one certainly is not available uh, to me. A used one, those can be had, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, just because I, I don't feel it fit to exchange a pile of money bigger than the first several cars that I owned uh, for for a wristwatch that has two different colors on the aluminum bezel and one extra hand. Yeah, they they serve a place. <laughs> All right, very good. We uh, I think we'll start to wrap up now. Do our Instagram follow, and then I'll I'll hand over to Spence to to wrap us up. So, Vinny, why don't we kick off with you for your someone to go follow on Instagram this week? Sure. So I thought I would recommend a local, but also a whiskey lover, um, Ian. Oh. The key. Less works, um, spelt as it sounds, and amazing photos. Lovely guy, and uh, you can guarantee on a Friday evening he's going to upload a photo with a bit of whiskey in the background, um, which is which we love. That's oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. what it is to say. So um, beautiful photos, great whiskey. What's not to love? Um, so that's Ian exactly. at the key less works. Very good. Uh, God, I love that SBDC one hundred and one. I only know that because I can read the hashtag, but that grey dial sort of diver Seiko is just so cool. Really good watch. Cool. That's a nice one. Um, All right, Buzz, what about you? Someone to go follow on Instagram. All right. I'm the wild card. My follow is going to be outside of the watch hobby. Cool. Boom. My other hobby I have (laughs) is I enjoy woodworking. Um both power tools and hand tools. So follow at Lost Art Press. So these guys, as a company um, that is local, uh, they're just over the river in Covington, Kentucky, and uh, they're a publisher of books on woodworking, a variety of different aspects, but mostly focusing on, on uh woodworking by hand just the the neatest group of people uh chris schwartz started it um because they're like 20 minutes away uh back before the virus uh became kind of a regular at their open houses Uh, he did at one point own a sin by the way so he is there's there's the watch connection (laughs) that's a that's a really really great stuff uh, yeah. Their books are printed in the U.S. like old bulletproof books, like from the '50s, with the super thick covers and pages. They're just 
the subject matter is a joy. Uh, the books themselves physically are are awesome, and the uh, the Instagram account's very uh, very cool. So give a follow. They're big oh, on chairs right now. Big on chairs. Yeah, absolutely. Low back chairs. Low yeah. back chairs. We're we're talking oh, Welsh stick chairs. Some Irish chairs in there. Dynamite. That's cool. I love learning new stuff. Thank you for that. Very good. Uh, Spence, what about so you? I'm going to give a shout out to a buddy who recorded one of our messages for uh, our one year anniversary, who hasn't been on the show yet and uh, likes to give me crap for that. But our buddy Ryan wears watches. Um, he's got a pretty good collection. He's an interesting dude. Uh, he's a fun DM, by the way, too. So anybody, I'm sure he'd be, uh, he'd love to be blown up on the DMs. Um, but he's got everything from some micro brands to Nomos to some vintage Rolex, the Tudor BB 58 blue. He's a good guy, likes whiskey, likes watches, um, and is a fun chat. So, uh, Ryan wears watches exactly how it's exactly how you would imagine that, uh, that is spelled. Um, he's a good buddy. So I have to give him a shout out there. Um, He's, he's solving problems, and, and by cool. problems, that means uh, he's finishing bottles of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so I was already following him, which is good. Um, that is good. And I hope that you can get him on your show soon. Oh, I hope I'm you sure can get him will. on the show soon. He'll be. He's uh, <laughs> he's waiting for it. He's like, hey, when you when, when are you going to be on? I was like, you know, we'll figure it out, buddy. <laughs> I like to tease him. It's, it's this little banter we have, and he's going to give me crap for that as soon as he listens to this. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, uh, well, mine is uh, we were talking about Watch Gringa before, but does anyone know of Watch Gringo? So, as it sounds, there's no dots, no underscores. Watch Gringo. So, um, loves a speedy and really moody uh, pictures as well. But it, the reason why I picked this person was because he says his name's Ray, and he says I enjoy watches whiskey eyewear and photography so there's the whiskey connection there's a watch connection so i thought that would uh, that would be a good one but um yeah really really nice photos and i love i also really like these profiles where a lot of the photos are this not the same watch but frequent watches so you get to see so in this case you get to see a speedmaster in all sorts of different iterations of of light and, and I really like it when someone takes sort of one, two or three watches and just puts them up in, not in lights or with lights, I suppose, and so that you can showcase it. Um, and he's done a really, really good job with that. So watch Gringo. Um, he gives watch Gringa a run for her money, maybe on photography, <laughs> but she's pretty funny. She is. <laughs> All right. I'll hand it over to you, Spence, to, to complete and wrap sure. us up. But thank you. I just want to say a quick thank you to you both. That was a lot of fun. It was great to to do this sort of joint podcast with you guys. So thank it absolutely you. was. And we really appreciate you all reaching out. And whatever episode this ends up being for both of us, it, it's going to be a long one. But I feel like it was a ton of fun. I had an absolute blast. Um, thank you guys for reaching out, coming on, uh, coming to us from the future, which is a really cool thing. Uh, hasn't happened before. Uh, really looking forward to seeing what Sunday brings. Um, I know you guys are halfway through yours, uh, but we're going to get there. But uh, thanks, everybody, for hanging with us for this very long episode. Um, I, it was definitely worth it for us. This has been an absolute blast. And uh, guys uh, down in Oz, Australia, take care. See you. See you, guys. Thank you. See ya. 
So there you have it, guys. That was a joint collaboration between Fifth Wrist Radio, the Defining Time Show, and our friends in America, the Whiskey and Watches podcast. So big thanks again to Spence and Buzz for having us join in with their podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Catch you soon. And everyone else, stay on time. Mm-hmm.